Tonight's episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know what the difference between working hard and working smart is? What we just watched with the Pelicans Lakers just now. How many points for the Pelicans in that last couple minutes? Almost just under four minutes to go to close the game unless they get a late garbage bucket here. Yeah. Uh, they did. So it was almost oh. one point over like a four-minute stretch. Well, they lost the ball 20 times. ZipRecruiter has the tools to make hiring more efficient and effective, unlike the Pelicans tonight. Smartest way to hire. Learns what kind of candidates you like, invites more to apply. It's so effective. Four to five employers have posted on ZipRecruiter to get a quality candidate through the site in the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Check out the Ringer Podcast Network where you can find a bunch of awesome podcasts, including the Ryan Rosillo Podcast, including the Rewatchables, where we did Vision Quest last week, started a feud with Matthew Modi, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Book of Basketball, last episode of season one is coming late Monday night. And we have, I think Ocean's 12 is on the Rewatchables this week. I'm not on that one. Check out all the other great podcasts we have. Coming up, Rosillo and I are going to do our little Sunday night thing. We still don't have a name for this. The pod, we we never came up with anything last year, huh? No, it's just kind of like Sundays with Rosillo, like like it's the sequel to Tuesdays with Maury. I don't, I feel like we can do better, but nobody ever sent us the right name. So. We can definitely do better. Than we can do better than that. Yeah. Last thing before we get to the pod, my friend Maura Mant died unexpectedly on Friday. And uh, I don't want to go into a whole thing about it here, but um, Aaron Cohen wrote a piece for theringer.com about it that I thought summed up a lot of what made her so memorable to know. I've known her for the last 15 years. We won an Emmy together in 2014 for a short she did for 30 for 30, which was the only primetime Emmy that we ever won for 30 for 30 while I was there. They won one after, but she was a force of nature and just an irreplaceable person. I can't even imagine ESPN without her. She's somebody that um, just thinking professionally, forget the personal part, but uh, somebody that you would need five to six people to replace because that was all she did um, over 365 days a year. Just, just a really talented person and really connected and really cared about all the right things and did a lot of good stuff for the company. So it was not a great weekend from, from that front. So wanted to give a shout out to her and her family and check out that piece that Aaron wrote on the ringer.com. Cause it was really good. All right, here's Pearl Jam. All right, we are taping this. We just watched the Pelicans Lakers came together. We're in person. That means this pod will be at least 22% better. Priscilla is here. We're going to start talking about uh, Houston. This is the biggest L I've taken in a long time. Long time. Okay. Long, that, long time. I guess I was going at it with Maury on Twitter as well. So that was always. Uh, he's, he's, he's like a pig and shit right now. He loves us. So go ahead. The floor is yours. Covington Capella. They do the trade. They've now given away three first-round picks. They're all in on this season. It just feels like Daryl's going to get fired and Fertitta's going to clean house, the whole thing. It is the Titanic heading toward an iceberg. I'm watching them on TV. It's just these five little guys spreading the floor, trying to uh, be the, uh, just trying to get rebounds and protect the rim. Nobody's taller than six seven. It's ridiculous. I hate watching it. They're taking 53s. I'm out. I'm just like, not only is this not going to work, 
I don't want to watch this. I'm out. I'm completely out. So then Houston Rockets Twitter. Hey, man, fuck you. We're going to shove a right up your ass. They do their whole thing. <laughs> I love I And love then I'm like, well, Texas this is going to be Bill. great. It, now yeah. now the, the Rockets fans, they're testy. It's going to be fun when this gets rammed up their assholes. And then here's what happens. The <laughs> Rockets just look awesome. They're kicking ass. They have a chance to get a two seed. They've rejuvenated Westbrook to the point that this might be the best he's ever looked at his entire career from an efficiency, dominance, taking advantage of all his strength standpoint. And now I don't know what to think, Rosillo, but I just know that it feels like I was wrong. Whether I was wrong about whether this is sustainable physically, whether an undersized team can play with this kind of intensity and this kind of burden of having to do offensive rebounds, protect the rim, all that, whether this is sustainable for four playoff rounds, that's another debate. But short term, this is working. Yeah, it's definitely working. And I have spent a lot of time kind of going through all the uh, – all the numbers for this this past month and they're at 49 three-point attempts per game in february so they were 44 just over 44 threes a game over the course of you look at the whole season right and yeah i was number one in the nba and now they've cranked it up um they're Which 12 is, and two the, the seeds of this is the g league how many years ago years and years ago and 75 threes a game right. whatever they're doing and i don't want to repeat it because i feel like i just repeat myself on this stuff too much but this is where daryl you know, fires off a tweet at me, or we'll get into it a little bit, um, where, you know, he does these different things and everybody rips it. And I remember game one, Golden State Warriors in that series, they probably should have won and, and maybe have a title. And, you know, everybody on TNT, because it just was a really bad Rockets game and everybody going up, this doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And they still almost won that series. So they're 12 and two. Uh, they had a loss at Phoenix. Westbrook didn't play. And then a one loss, a uh, one point loss to Utah. They, Winnable. They are. I looked at the the splits. Um, they're the number two offense on the season. They're the number 15 defense. But if you look at just February, they're number seven defensively. So they've jumped up on their defensive efficiency, sizing down. Uh, I think the other part of this that's completely overrated is that we just, we just looked at Capella not being there and going, oh my God, they're small, when they're already pretty small most of the time anyway. And they've just... They've just hit the turbo button on the whole thing. I feel like they've gotten bigger by losing Capella, which I I can't really blame myself for thinking it might hurt to lose the one tall guy you had on your team. Yeah, especially when you stopped using him in that offensive, you know, pick and roll stuff that you'd want to do because they just weren't doing as much. Uh, we all, all of us, did not do a good enough job giving their perimeter guys uh, credit on how, how strong they are, how strong they are individually. Like trying to watch... Some of the Celtics, like this Celtics team, I got to see them in person in Utah. We'll talk about that whenever. But to see like Tatum and Jalen and all of these guys not really be able to get clean drives on them is just that. And Brad Stevens had even said it in the pregame. He did this really good interview. I was like, wow, this is actually really insightful. Um, a coach saying something. He goes, this is a team of linebackers. And for P.J. Tucker to also have the mentality of like, what do you want me to do? Okay, done. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Now, the defense is better. The only number that I could find, and I'm sure there's maybe a little bit more if I really want to dig in and all this stuff, is that they're last in rebounding rate for the month of February. So the 30 out of 30 teams, the mm. rebounding rate. Yet, but, they, I, but yet they out-rebounded the Celts by 17 the other day. And that was probably the game, all those offensive rebounds that they grabbed, even though the game probably shouldn't have gone in overtime. And it was funny because I was like, okay, you know, the first Boston matchup out there, Houston looked like the better team. They tried to play Canner. You're like, Canner can't play in this game. And he didn't play any in, in the Boston home game. 
Houston comes out. Harden doesn't even bother closing out on two guys immediately and then has another thing where he lets Hayward get past him in transition and then fake pretends he's jumping a passing lane knowing like, oh, I just let Hayward go. And, I, and I'm like, how late was this guy out? You, because, I mean, in the beginning of the game, it looked I have like, the answer. <laughs> it looked like Houston. <laughs> I know some people at the Encore of Boston. <laughs> It, but in that first half of the game, you're like, this is the worst first half they've had. Like Houston's just mailing it. Like they're due for one of these. And Boston's been playing so well. I'm just to summarize, and I know we have more on Westbrook, the level of toughness that they showed, this perimeter defense, just all of it. That was a really, really impressive win at Boston, especially with how bad the Rockets looked in the first half. So that's what it is right now. The toughness thing is the number one important point because Westbrook, Tucker, Covington were other than maybe Marcus Smart, but even they're bigger physically than he is, the three toughest guys like in the court. Covington's rebound numbers, he's it's averaging 16. like eight, eight boards well, a game. Let's start with him, because I think this is really important. And I don't know whether Houston knew this. I don't know how they would know this, because he's never played center. He, they, they're basically using Tucker and Covington like they're, Bur like they're Mikhail and Parrish. And Covington, I looked it up, he's 6'7". Tucker's 6'6 six, six on a good day. Yeah. Would I... Would, what I realized watching, and I, I swore I wasn't going to watch the Rockets, and I got sucked in the last week a couple times. Covington, maybe this was the right position for him. Maybe he's been like a power forward center type guy all along. Maybe he's actually miscast as the small forward on the Sixers team that also has Embiid and Simmons. and Because I, I thought he was a liability in that playoff series against Boston. With this, he he's starting to look like Sean Marion in the mid-2000s. And I don't know... The Rockets can say, oh, we knew that was going to happen. That's why we got him. I don't know how they would know that because we've never really seen him play the kind of minutes and being used this specific way. It's a really good point. Like, I don't I don't know if they knew that, but I think what we do know is they were like, we're going to get something really good for Capella when we don't want to use him anyway. So <laughs> think about that. Like, and I, I don't think Boston ever had any interest. I think Daryl was was doing a really good job of trying to get the market up for him. And we're but like, they what? must have had some number, data, inclination, whatever, that if they played Tucker and Covington together as their big guys with Westbrook kind of crashing the offensive boards, doing all the stuff he does, that they'd be okay with rebounding defense compared to what they had. And what they had was pretty mediocre. This was when they traded Capella and people like you and I reacted to it. And then the case for them trading Capella was like, well, look at our stats. Look at our defensive efficiency. Look at our rim protection rate. Look at uh, our rebounding. Like It's not like we're trading away Bill Russell in 1966 here. This guy wasn't making a big impact for us. We'll be able to switch on D. We'll be able to do all this small ball stuff. I just felt like there's no history ever in the league of somebody being able to actually win a title this way. The thing I think both of us were alarmed by immediately in a good way for the Rockets is how it would throw teams off that they were playing where Game after game, these teams are like, well, what do we do? We have so much space. Oh, my God. Should we do this? Wait, on the other end. Oh, oh, God. Oh, uh, and and teams just seem really, really uncomfortable. Last night, Boston, you know, Gordon Hayward, it just promised me we can get through this podcast without me eviscerating him because I think he's a nice guy and I feel bad that he broke his, his ankle two years ago. But basically, the mismatch yesterday for the Celtics was... At some point, something's going to shift your way. And, and yesterday it was Gordon Hayward should be able to go by James Harden whenever he wants. James Harden has no legs. This is your best match. He didn't want to do it for whatever reason. So now you have Tatum going against Covington and Tucker. Those guys defended him really, really well. The other guy was defending Brown, defended him really, really well. 
Smart's taking 15 threes. That's always a terrible sign for the Celts. The, the three-pointer that Marcus Smart took with a minute and a half left in regulation was those are like, and you know, being around the team on Wednesday, and like one guy in particular is like, you need to like Marcus Smart more. Like you need to like him more. He is everything with this team. He is the heart and soul. He's the team that fight. He's the and I, you know, and I am sitting the there like, and I go, you know what? Too many guys with the Celtics have told me this over and over again. And yeah. I'm like, they're right. I am wrong. I need to, I need to let up a little bit. And then he takes that three with a minute and a half left. And I go, you know what? I don't want to hear it, you know, because well, it's just such a bad three. And by the way, he did his great job ripping the ball out from all those guys. They have the ball. They're up one. 30 after seconds the, left. After the Gordon Hayward, that was almost an air ball in the corner. Mm. And then he just, Smart just stood up. He just stood up and Harden makes a great play, knocking it out from behind. Well, the Hayward, if he makes that, they're up four with 30 seconds left. They win the game. There was no the way team. that they shot was going in. And it, it, he almost killed somebody who was such a brick. But the Smart thing, look, Kemba's out. That's why I'm not going to say, oh my God, they can't be the Rockets. They were missing their other all-star and if he's in there now none of the watermaker minutes yeah, but that's are happening not what it's about right smart's no. the six man the, the whole this is about the rockets though yeah, like, the... I, I i'm with you like yes no kemba but i just <laughs> well so the Covington thing is the first surprise in this right that this is somebody that plays bigger than his height and has never really been in this position as a pro that you could get away with this now if they're playing joel Embiid or they're playing Jokic, um. I don't know what they do at that point. Maybe they just swarm him. They the one thing I've and this is I swear this isn't sour grapes. So used to people don't get mad. Yeah, Simmons making he's trying to make excuses while we're winning. I'm not saying that. <laughs> when you go small though, it and might be the worst Texas accent. Yeah, ever. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna workshop a little bit more. When you go small like this, when you're the scrappy underdog, I do feel like you get officiated a little differently. I do feel that Chris Paul has always been like this, right? Throughout his career, he's always been allowed to basically rake people over the arms, steal, try to do whatever. It's like, oh, he's Chris Paul. He's only six feet. He's not really fouling these guys. These guys, they're, they're swarming. They're jumping over people's backs for rebounds. They're coming behind and stripping guys. And they're just kind of, they have that mentality. It's like a pack mentality. It works. I'm impressed. Uh, I, you know, I am, and there's still other stuff that we can do on this, but it's specific to like, did they see something with Covington and like, this guy is perfect or, you know, here's the other argument that I would make. I mean, they brought in what Damari Carroll, Jeff Green, Jeff Green. I asked my or, dad, or is Daryl just obsessed with like who's six, eight and long and is sort of like a, a, a hybrid power forward, small forward and in our setting a center maybe at times. Like that, that could be this more simple thing instead of specifically like Covington checked every single little box. Like Covington's a good player, but I actually felt like felt like before the trade deadline because there weren't really any big names, he's becoming incredibly overrated. I mean, it's not like he's lighting this up. This whole thing is about Westbrook right now. Yeah, so it's audible to him. This is the best he's ever looked. I had given up the- on seeing this version of him. I, we- thought, I thought he peaked three years ago as a player or whenever, whatever he won the MVP that. That version of him, I thought, was the best athletically, stats, all that stuff. And then it was just going to be kind of a steady decline from there. Now he's 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 basically dumped threes. He's exploiting mismatches. He's been able to get to the rim either way, left, going left, going right. Um, he takes better shots than he used to. And he's got that attitude back. He's got that, that motherfucker attitude back that, really made him special in the Durant years, right? He was the he was the motherfucker guy in Durant. Yeah, the Westbrook camp was always, and I think there's some truth to this. I mean, I prefer Durant, but the Westbrook camp was always kind of like the things you would hear is that 
hey, if you're the guy, like, why are you letting somebody get position on you in a huge possession late in a playoff game? Like, what are you, come get the fucking ball. Like, let's go. And then Westbrook would like go, well, I'm the alpha. And then he would go ahead and take his bad shot. He's kind of, it's weird that he's kind of taken that from Harden. Well, don't you, didn't you feel that a little bit this, these last two weeks? I went through, look at the stuff that he's doing right now in the last two months is, is nuts. So, you know, when he first came in, he was only taking for him 16 and a half shots a game. And then it was 20 shots a game. <laughs> then it was 24 shots a game. And you and I, you and 25. I thought this trade was a disaster six weeks in. It like, was. Oh my God. It was. This is it was, the worst possible when, fit. When we did the All Star thing, I was like, wait, you people think Westbrook's making the All Star team? Yeah, I thought so. And he shouldn't way. have. It was arguably the worst year of his career, the way it was headed. And a lot of it still has to do with threes. I mean, he was taking six threes a game at one point, uh, one month this season, and he was hitting 26% or 22%. It seemed so, like he was getting worse at threes. Yeah. So you're like, okay, so what happens now? And it's like, so I'm going to be this three-point outlet, and I'm not even going to be cracking 25%. Now, Westbrook is somebody, and I don't know if this is just some different version of him, where now he's unlocked at 31 years old, and maybe he realizes like some of the stuff you did in Oklahoma City was stupid. Like, you shouldn't take a million threes, man. You're just not good today. And somebody that had worked with him, I asked about Westbrook once. I go, what? Like, whenever I watch Westbrook in Oklahoma City, I go, you know, if he just took out like the six or seven, what the hell are you doing shots? it would be a different player and other people be a little bit more engaged. And like, we know what the raw stats are, but the rebounding stuff's a little weird. And I feel like everybody hands out assists now, like it's free t-shirt at a game, but he, he would say, and this is the way it was explained to me is you would go like, Hey Russ, like here's where you're really efficient. Here's where you're not. And then again, this is like somebody trying to go to Russell Westbrook and Westbrook would be like, well, whatever. I thought I was going to make it in the moment. And be like, okay, but you're not ever. Like you're not making that shot ever. And for whatever reason, wait he's a second, finally though. he's bought in and he's taken two a game now in this month, despite the fact he's taken 26 shots a game. What you just said though is so important because at some point you are who you are as a basketball player. I just thought that's who he was. I'm going to take those seven terrible shots a game. And if you don't like it, fuck you. That's basically his whole and that's, approach. That's what he was like, basically since he came to the league. I, for him to change and actually become smarter about the shots that he's taken at this point in his career is almost borderline inconceivable. And just to put 25 shots into perspective. Per game. <laughs> per game, the last two months. Now, faster right? pace, but still. Right, and the Rockets were a slow-paced team last year. They've cranked up the pace again this year. You're still playing with one of the most ball-dominant players that we've ever seen. Which is why, you know, whenever we look at Harden historically, I think you always have to kind of look at it a little differently in the approach that this is. Like, you know, Houston's approach is, hey, you're awesome and you're a really good shooter and you get to the free throw line a million times. Why are we running more stuff for other people? Like, you're just going to have the ball the whole time. So it skews things a little bit. But Westbrook at 25 plus shots per game in these last two months. And again, now he's 40% from three, by the way, in February and two and a half attempts. I went through 20 years of stats this morning. The only other guys to crack 25, like 25 shots a game is an insane number. Only, it's like Kobe in 2006. It's Kobe 2005, 2006, 27, and Iverson in 2001, 2002 took 28 shots a game. Those are the only two guys for an entire season to average over 25 shots a game in the last 20 years. And Westbrook is doing it right now in these last two months and he's doing it well. And I actually don't look at him like if whatever we're doing, like, oh, can he keep this up? I never worry about his energy. I worry about his decisions, but I'm never going to worry about Westbrook's energy. Well, his last 26 games, 32, 8, and 7, 51% field goal percentage, 25.5 field goal attempts. And but, when you watch them, 
and I have watched them way more the last week or so. They're all good shots, and they're and they're shots you would want them to take. And if you're rooting against them, which I had to do twice because they played the Celtics twice, you're like, oh fuck, don't let them go left. Damn it, they let him go left, and he's doing his. He's either bouncing off the guy, and making that bank shot with the foul. Or he's doing that thing where all of a sudden he's making a lefty layup. You don't know how he got to the rim that fast. Then he can audible the other way. In transition, he's deadly. And he just looks, this is vintage Westbrook. And I don't even think. It's changed the court. It's changed the ceiling of them as I think a finals team. Um, it's indisputable. I'm not sure uh, about that. And that was Daryl's disagreement. Because I was like, look, this team is tough. The other thing, Westbrook's leading the league now in points in the paint. He's like 20. I game. have those numbers. All right, what are they? When I say change the ceiling as a finals team, I before I had them in a one bedroom studio, one floor. That was the like you, there were, you had no scenario did you think they were getting out no of the first scenario. round? Zero. No, maybe maybe one round. Three straight rounds, no way. Now it's like I don't, I don't know how many ceilings the, the apartment building has, but it definitely has a few floors. Uh points in the paint leader since January first. This is from uh my old friend Kirk Goldsberry. Westbrook, 20.3 points in the paint. In the paint. So this is the last two months. Zion, 17. Giannis, 16.8. Ben Simmons, 16.1. Aiton, 15. Harrell, 15. And that backs up what we're watching. It's layups, it's little pull-ups, and it's stuff where he's bouncing off people. And there's so much space now. I haven't seen a lot of people stay in front of him. No, and that Celtics game, it wasn't like, oh, bad switch, bad switch. I mean, a lot of this stuff is just all isolation. Depending on how Synergy, you know, classifies isolation plays, Houston's running like twice as many isolations as the number two team in Portland. Now, I think there could be some discrepancy on like, okay, what truly is isolation? But by this metric, they're so far beyond what everybody else is doing. Um, I didn't think it was really bad switches against Boston. They had like two, I think, maybe two bad switches. And I think what happens with Westbrook is, and you can see it too off a miss, it's almost like the Giannis thing now. As you try to you try to get those three guys at the free throw line extended, you know, like one at the center, two guys off the elbows, and you're trying to contain it a little bit. So there's no step through lane, and you want him to have to flare out and make this decision. But what happens with Westbrook because he's so damn quick is that you'll almost win on the first drive defensively, and then he like is like, I'm not done though. Like I'm not done with you, and you kind of let up a little, and then he goes right back at you, and it's one step and up, and yeah, he's finishing like a, off the backboard. It's like a beyond a hesitation move. It's like a he stops the drive it's like and I, starts it again. It's like a reset, but yeah. then it, then it's going again. He did it a couple times in that Boston game, and the thing is, Harden stats haven't really suffered. Like even just the last ten games, he's still at thirty one eight and six. No, and he didn't get hooked up by the officiating, which you know again, he decides to fall and he turns his hips in to the left side all the time now he hit Romeo Langford so hard like Langford was checking his head for blood and Harden was looking for the call like Harden got one call in the beginning and then you could see that officiating crew was like you know what we're not we're not giving you these calls now and it didn't like when when Houston wins and Harden isn't getting those calls so are we because I, so I do, wait a second important question do we think this is sustainable can okay. you do this for four more months because I think every the instinct thing, I have says no, but yet they're just doing it really easily. Yeah, I I still worry about like what's a matchup going to be. Like I went and looked at Dallas because I was like, all right, what about Przingis and Luca? And they've split the two games they've played this year. First game Dallas won. They had Luca. Luca didn't play in the second one, um, and that was right at the beginning of this stretch. Because I think Capella's last game with Houston was the 29th of January. 
Porzingis against them is averaging like 29, 12 and a half. So he has he has good numbers in those two games against him. Another one that I would look at is Denver. I mean, because it could be Houston the two seven with Dallas. And do they just go, oh no, we're just going to spread you guys out and Luca and, and Porzingis are going to have to chase us around? Or over the course of five, six, seven games, does it just get exhausting having to box those guys out all the time? Why wouldn't you just play zone if you had Porzingis and Luca? I, I also worry about I guess zone, zone just doesn't work against these guys. My just feeling put Porzingis is, in the middle and just I love the zone switch it up thing that we're seeing more and more of. Yeah. I think what people are afraid of, and maybe I'm too stuck in my ways on it, is that if you stayed in zone for like really, really long stretches, a good shooting team's gonna murder you. They get used to it. Yeah. Uh what about Denver? Okay, so Denver played Toronto today, and Toronto's had you know, Toronto's kind of doing the Houston East thing here because Gasol has missed so much time and Ibaka was out against Denver. And well, Yoke, they also know Van Vliet, which, so the three of those combined, it's but not looking great. Toronto's had these games where it's like, they're actually just kind of doing what Houston is and they're smaller on the perimeter when it's Lowry and Van Vliet as opposed to Westbrook and Harden and Jokic went bananas. So could you really shut down Jokic if you're Houston or are you abusing him because he's chasing around P.J. Tucker all the time, you know? Um, well, if Robert Covington can, continues to just gain superhuman powers, <laughs> I don't know. Could he guard Jokic? I'm, I'm not ruling it out at this point. The guy on it, now he's 6'10". I think he grew three inches. <laughs> <laughs> the team yeah. likes Texas. The Texas heat made him grow. No, they need to. Like when your team, if you're listening to this, when your team plays them next, watch how good they are at just using their strength to get you off the line that you want to take on drives of the hoop. Because well, they, it was it was glaring against Boston. And that's the other thing. When you play them, they're officiated in it's just so hard to play to play determine whether it was a foul or not. Westbrook is lurching into guys, hard in all the stuff he does, and it makes a team, it puts them off balance. They're upset about this call. They're upset about that call. They can't believe this. Now they're a little more tentative. There's a whole bunch of Jedi mind trick shit going on. And I think they're just really hard to play for nine different reasons. Now, did they know this when they made the trade? They can say they did. I'm not, I'm not belittling them. I'm not discrediting them, whatever. I just can't believe they ever in a million years thought it was going to work out this well so far. Like when or, they made this trade, they're like, we did it. Here we go. The plan is unleashed. Cause to me, it always felt like a Hail Mary. It's like, well, I'm getting fired if we don't make the finals, meaning Daryl. Right. And D'Antoni's like, well, I'm definitely getting fired if we don't make the finals. They're like, fuck it. Let's do the thing we always wanted to do. No center. Let's go. Right. If everybody's going small. And, and look, there's there was another team that I talked to that said, no, this is stupid. This is stupid. And they're like, of course, our analytics department fucking loves it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like the old school guy telling me how stupid the approach was. And then he was also at the same time being like, all of our nerds are like, couldn't be happier about that they're doing this. And well, then- I, just so people know, I still, I still hate it. I hate the ISOs. <laughs> I hate the fifty threes. Like I just don't like it. But I respect that it's working, and I respect what it's done for Westbrook. Well, let me and add to Covington that, and t- and Tucker. Let's let's add to this because the beauty of it is, hey, do they know? All right, do they know they're going to go twelve and two? It could be even. Or is this? The risk because of what their individual futures are as far as being employees of the Houston Rockets, whether it's Daryl or D'Antoni. Or did Westbrook have to be this bad to start the year that they go, we have to change something. We have to be dramatic about it because this version of Westbrook that we have right now 
is an absolute disaster. And considering we have three more years of this money. And has he matured a little bit too? Because as you know, I love to read the quotes from the teammates about the other teammates. Beloved teammate this year, Westbrook. Even Austin Rivers was raving about him. They were talking about that during the uh, broadcast on Saturday night. He just seems like he seems happier. He seems like he's clicked with his teammates. It seems like he really does have something genuine with Harden, and there's something going on here. So they play, they play the Knicks on Monday night, and then Thursday put a night. Put down on that one. Thursday night, Clippers at home. And if this style works against the Clippers, I think we have to really evaluate what whether there's some real finals potential here because yeah because i'm not there yet i'm not like well, I, we've you gone think, through all of this but i'm not saying hey they're my favorite to get in the, the nba finals like no way you think the clippers will go like cool we'll play Kawhi, paul george we'll play morris beverly. Uh, we'll play beverly and we'll just put a shooter and we'll go small ball tough guy toe-to-toe with you and we have Kawhi and paul george good luck if it works against them then you go because the thing is, Harden hasn't had one of those Harden hot streaks in a while either, where he has like those 12 game stretches where it's like James Harden's averaging 42 points a game for the last 10 games. So if they can ever get him turned up maybe 5% more with whatever Westbrook's doing, holy shit. I'm really impressed. Want me to do one more Houston accent before we go to commercial? I'm just trying to think of the collection of like you and I doing this now a couple years. And we all have our own battles, but like what, what five fan bases? Cause the problem is the longer you do this, the longer you become like in the crosshairs of different fan bases. Yeah. And I've got like four or five right now. I think I have like 32, there's only 30 <laughs> teams in the league. <laughs> that if you were to rank, like what would be the worst team to win a championship based on the heat that you will be getting? Houston's clearly number one for both of us. For me, it was Miami 2012 was probably my number one all time for basketball because I did the whole decision thing. I was like, there's no way they're winning the title. They only have three guys. That's never worked in the history of the league. They didn't win. Then I was like, hi, I told you. And then even though they made it to the NBA finals, you were taking a win saying. Oh, totally. I was like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, his approach doesn't work. You need eight guys to win a title. (laughs) I was right. And then the next year, it's like the Celts are one win away from just shutting them down. They would have traded Chris Bosh. And then LeBron steps up and then all of a sudden Miami was in fuck you mode with me. But uh, with the Houston thing, this will be the most insufferable fan base that ever won a title. And by the way, partially earned because everybody everybody has shit on the way they played. They've shit on James Harden. They've shit on their last two playoff losses. Westbrook's taken more shit than any superstar this century. I mean, uh, this decade, really since Iverson. But all of that stuff deserved. Like I, I just, I do this thing where it's like if if I have no money in the bank, yeah, and you tell me I'm broke, and then a year later, I have fifty thousand in the bank, and I'm like, oh, see, Bill, you're still right, because when you called me broke, I was broke. Yeah, it wasn't inaccurate. And so for all the shit that the the fan base, like it's not like they're they're winning all the time, and it's not like West, Westbrook's been bounced out of the first round three straight years, so. You know, look, I'm not going to ever, this is a really nice run. It's working. It's awesome. They're beating good teams. That Celtics win was really impressive because they went in there and I know there was no Kemba and all that and stuff. And they came back. Like we, have, we have done, yeah, they looked 
disinterested. Like that first half, I'm like, oh, I guess they're just going to lose tonight. Like they're just, they suck tonight. Wow, this is weird. And it's like, oh, actually now they cranked it up immediately. Um, but Houston would be probably number one. I think Denver might be two for me. I no- think that's a Denver is just a, that's like a personal thing with you. I've always been all right with the Denver fans. Oh, no, I'm not saying that it's that you're. I you're think not, this is like it really specific get, to you. We get shrapnel on these things. But it's funny. I watched the Denver game today against Toronto. Again, they blew them out. They're late. But then I saw the guys that worked for the Nuggets as part of the broadcast that were coming after me that night when it was all going bad. And I was like, wait a minute. I almost responded to this guy. Like, look at his jacket. <laughs> like, why would I? Why would I ever fucking engage with this guy? And so that's that, that was always a little bit of a lesson. Like, I was like, oh, wait. I'd like to think we're two of the people in relatively high profile media spots that when we when we're wrong, we'll admit we're wrong. Yeah, that's that's it's not, the other it's thing, not like, like I'm like, no, I, I actually I meant it. It's like I was, right, I was wrong. I was, Fine. I I'm going to be complimenting wrong. Westbrook because it's he deserves to be complimented. It was a disaster yeah. for a long time. And I got aggregated when I did the pod about like there's rumblings that Daryl knows this thing isn't really working. I, for one, am 100 percent convinced that Russell Westbrook was not Daryl's idea okay it doesn't make any sense it's so unlike any other player he's ever wanted and he's 40 million a year for the next three okay over that but i can also go hey you know who's been awesome right now is westbrook and it's funny because i think the audience is so conditioned to guys that do this the that are in the opinion business are just unforgiving you know like look i like kellerman but his brady take has been a clown show okay (laughs) right he's like he's heading off a cliff He's won two fucking Super Bowls since he said it. And instead of just being like, hey, this is that take has not gone well for me on first take. He said the throws were easy. (laughs) Right. So when guys like you or I change our mind, people are blown away. We almost get ripped for it when it's like, no, no, no. Like, don't you see that everybody else does this thing where they just get married and not just married like attached this is my take yeah like and i can't like waver. a politician where this is my position on healthcare. <laughs> i'm never wavering right and so I, I yeah there's times i'm like holy like i got that really nobody wants to be wrong but the business you're it's such a good point by you the business has become like well i just say something in 2004 and i never waver <laughs> like what do, you, only, what do you do the only thing i'm never wavering from is Kyrie's not fun to play with well, uh, I've take- decided where I'm, I'm banning Kyrie for us. We're not allowed to talk about him anymore. <laughs> uh, he might have taken care of that anyway. Hey, companies around the world are solving their most important challenges with Google Cloud, like PayPal, who's solving for millions of daily hopes, dreams, and financial ambitions. And Google Cloud is helping them achieve their mission to transform the prosperity and opportunity of millions of businesses around the world. So smart, there's rumors they might have convinced Daryl to trade for Robert Covington. Who knows? <laughs> Google Cloud's really good. With massive scale and processing power, PayPal is connecting Main Street to every street with, with a lot of help from Google Cloud. Google Cloud, what are you solving for? Visit g.co slash cloud slash solving. Once again, g.co slash cloud slash solving so we watched uh we watched lakers pelicans and there was a weird story this week about lebron and zion this weekend people thought it was weird that they had no relationship 
there were actually like pieces being written about this and it was a thing on Twitter. I didn't even realize it until I read this stuff this morning. I was like, oh. And it's like think, a thing? I think it coming off of the heels of like him being so glowing about John ja Morant. And then it was like, wait a minute. Have you not done your post-game speech? Anything you need with Zion? Right. Young King. Did we see that? I got to check because we got I don't think do he did the pod. Young King speech for, for Zion yet. But then it was like, with something going on with these guys? And it's like, yeah, obviously. Obviously, Clutch tried to sign Zion and Zion's family wanted no part of it. And they haven't talked really since. I don't think there's a feud, but, you know, how's LeBron? LeBron's not going to keep in touch with every young star that enters the league. I enjoyed it. There oh, was a, they hugged it out. Oh, they hugged it out. Yeah. Great. Yeah, big time. Hug. He had was a there message. a whisper? Did you get yeah. a whisper? No, it's, I'm watching the whisper oh, video whisper. right now. Yep. What do you think he whispered? Yo, young king, keep doing your thing, man. All right. If you need me, call me. Something like that. It's like, when can you ask for a trade? <laughs> Yo, Davis might be out. He's going to have a two-year option his next deal. Call me. Don't oh, freak out, Pelicans fans. Um, Kyrie was the first one ever. He was the first one ever where guys in NBA, and that should have told us. Here, I just said we're banning ourselves for talking to Kyrie. But, you I'm know, so glad we're back. The whole thing about, like, you know, no one ever doesn't do the extension off the rookie contract. Yeah, you do the extension, then you ask for a trade, and the there Carl was, Towns. There was there was a of strong like vibe, and it didn't happen. But there was like, if anybody would do it, it'd be Kyrie. And it's like, well, you can't really do it. Um, but I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. By doing it, you're just basically giving away twenty five million dollars. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to look into all the yeah, numbers of it, but nobody nobody does it. So the Lakers Pelicans thing which really probably is going to be the one eight seed. I think the Pelicans are going to catch the Grizzlies. Well, I know the Grizzlies at- had a big win in, uh, this weekend, but I, st- I still think Pelicans catch them. And the strength of schedule. Memphis has the toughest schedule the rest of the way. And all the teams behind Memphis have like the third easiest. The Lakers are going to beat the Pelicans, but I think it's going to be a fun series because the Pelicans can score with the Lakers. And it'll be one of those things where they're going to get to 110, 115 points. Those games will at least be fun to watch. You go on the other side with... Uh, I think it's going to be, I had this written down, Bucks Nets, where th- there's going to be lines for those games or the Bucks are going to be favored by like 22 and a half points in game one or 18 <laughs> and a half points or whatever. Here are playoff matchups right now. I want to do this every week on the pod to set the stage for what's coming because what do we have, like five weeks left? Five and a half weeks? Bucks Nets, Raptors Magic, Celts Pacers, Heat Sixers. That's going to be our our four in the East. And then the West, Lakers, Grizz, Nuggets, Mavs, Clips, Thunder, Rockets, Jazz. Clips, Thunder. A lot of subplots in that one. I don't know if you know this, but the Paul George, Gallinari, and Chris Paul were on the opposite teams last year. Then they would be, they would be meeting again. Chris Paul would be playing the Clippers. In a playoff series. Plus, you know what that reminds me of? Did you know that Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw know each other? They know each other? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Phil Rivers has eight kids. Did you know (laughs) that Josh Smith and Dwight Howard played AAU ball together? Out of those eight series, which ones get you the most excited? I'm, I'm, I go 1A Nuggets, Mavs, 1B Clips, OKC. Nuggets, Mavs. Like, I feel like people are off the Mavs a little bit. 
Just yeah, a couple because, injuries because Luca, you know, has been in and out a couple different times. Przingis was incredible again today. Um, he's he's you know at the beginning of the year, you're like oh my god, like what did Dallas end up with here? And I think now, if you're Dallas, you feel really good about him. It's and, two years since the knee injury, yeah. which I think is important to mention. Uh, I yeah, would, I Porzingis, normally, Porzingis every once in a while he'll have like thirty-seven and nineteen rebounds. Yeah, he you went, know he went crazy. Yeah, he, he had one today that was kind of like that. Yeah, he had 38 against Minnesota. And Minnesota, again, um, mm. Towns has been missing now with that wrist injury. Uh, Ta- I, Towns I, is like, I'll see you guys in October. A week or so, maybe two weeks ago, I would have told you, like, Houston, Utah. Like, let's go. Uh, Utah's, I don't know. If, it feels like a mess is too strong, but it's not good. And that really great stretch was... Like, you know, sometimes you go, oh, hey, they finally put it together. And you're looking and be like, oh, Sacramento, Brooklyn, the Knicks twice. And I'm not saying off the top of my head that's what it was. But when they had that good it stretch, it was, it was a really incredibly easy stretch for like two weeks. I think when weeks. you have stuff like Mike Conley is going to be benched and then the owner intervenes. And then it's like, hey, Mike Conley is actually going to still be starting tonight. When stuff like that starts happening, that's a bad sign. That's... I think the Conley trade worked out so badly. It's a huge contract. They gave up a first round pick. It's a trade that I liked at the time when they made it. I didn't realize I, I didn't realize it was the year when he was going basically his post prime year when he was moving into a different phase of his career. But on the other hand, there's a lot of history with this stuff, especially with point guards that are hitting like a thousand games when they just hit a different stage of their career and that's that. And unfortunately, it looks like that's what happened here. It looks like he's just kind of past his prime. And, you know, you throw that in with Gobert going against the Rockets where you have this guy who has a chance to win Defensive Player of the Year again, and you might not be able to play him in round one. Like, you might not be able to keep him on the floor for more than 15 minutes a game. Yeah, I think that's a real threat because we've seen that with Gobert a little bit. And jazz fans get really mad about it. But, like, that one, even the strongest, the biggest Gobert fan you have to be freaked out like this this asset that we have our other all-star like how is he going to look and i always feel like with these big guys and some of these weird size matchups there can be versions where that guy looks really good you know the tristan thompson golden state warrior series in 16 is a really good example because i thought there were times where tristan looked like he shouldn't be on the floor against golden state and for whatever happened part of the turnaround that series like nobody boxed out tristan thompson like he worked his ass off he got better position and he kept possessions alive and then there'd be other times you're like, you got to get him out of there. So I'm not always convinced like every single time a big looks bad, but I'm, I'd be really scared about him being out there. And I think Gobert's, I don't, I don't think it's all on Conley. I think Gobert is incredibly frustrated too, but I also think his teammates get sick of passing him the basketball and it goes, when you really like, like I've been watching him closer and closer. It's like, you know, he's not great with the ball and he brings it down I, I was really disappointed with him against Houston where, you know, it's not like they're going to run the offense through him. Yeah. But he had six rebounds in that game. And like Westbrook isn't going to back down to anybody. And if you're Gobert, like you need to go right at Westbrook and be like, hey, get out of the way. And there was like a mentality thing there that bugged me. And, you know, that building was was dead on Wednesday. It really was. Um, and it's a great building. Oh, yeah. You, we should say you went to the Utah game on Wednesday. Yeah. And they ran into a Boston team where Tatum's, you know, got 30 like that. Marcus Smart hits three threes in a row and starts going to Quinn Snyder being like, better call a timeout. And it's, you know, and then I sat next to a heckler 
I don't know if he's a professional heckler. And his wife, they're having a couple beers. And he was one of the worst hecklers I've ever heard. And then Gordon Hayward was totally checked out of that game. I don't know if it was the booing every time he touched the basketball. But like the heckler said, I know your mom. I was like, wow, that was mean. Jesus. But the rest of his material wasn't very good. I know your mom is a weird one. Yeah, I know your mom is a weird one. And then every time the heckler would say something, the wife would be like, stop it. And he never listened to her the whole time. Um, well, I, I love that building. It's going to a game in there, and be, but you could just sense that like the crowd was kind of like, Shh, you know, this is the worst. They definitely didn't say any swears, but um, this is the worst we've looked for, you know, stretch. Most amount of white people you've ever been around? I did go to UVM. You did live in... Martha's Vineyard, you did go to UVM. Yeah, and see, Martha's Vineyard you did gets spend a bad some rap. New Hampshire time. Hey, look, when I no, Martha's Vineyard, more diverse than people know. Yeah, in the summer. Are yeah. you kidding? Martha's Vineyard, I believe, was the first tourist destination in the United States uh, where black people could buy property. You know, I'm serious. Like, I, I think I think it is. So they have they have a great um, history there. And when I bartended in the '90s at Atlanta Connection, the only white people in the dance club were the three bartenders. Utah, not not as diverse. No, Park City doesn't have... Uh, Tell you, like, um, amazingly attractive uh, female clientele in the Utah, state of Utah. Good-looking state. You want, me to tell you, want me to tell you a story? Sure. So I went for a hike yeah. on Friday, and I didn't have the proper gear, but I was like, hey, whatever, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I wanted to pick something moderate, not easy. I want short distance, but I want peak. I want to get up there. So I picked a trail. It was like two miles straight up. I'm like, I'm good to go. Work boots, steel toe, NBD. Used to frame. And uh, within a few feet, I'm looking at this trail and it's packed down like a bobsled track. Yeah. And I go, I'm. this is going to be brutal. No snowshoes, no crampons, no pole. You're just worried about a torn groin, groin muscle. Every point. time I stepped, I was like, I feel like I'm going to rip my groin apart here. So yeah. I'd, I'd walk along like the side and sometimes I'd be up to my hips in snow. And then a girl, pretty attractive, goes flying past me with a dog and crampons, just flying. She's like, hey. I'm like, oh, geez. She had the gear. She was running too, just a machine. So I make it like an this hour. This is like the start of a rom-com. Yeah, yeah. It really felt like that. It was kind of Clamp on. Like, it was like the, the breakup before things went bad. <laughs> it was Zoe Deitch ran, ran by you with her clamp-ons. So I get to like this flat area where then it, the rest of the way is the peak. So it's not a great thing. I'm pouring sweat, just drenched. And I'm like, I'm not going to make it. And even if I were to make it, there's no way I'm not going to fall a hundred times on the way down here because yeah. it's going to be all the way straight down. I'm like, you're, you're dripping sweat. This is bad. You're like, thinking you can't hurt your hands because you're a writer. Yeah, that. I've got some typing to do. I'm really close on this time travel thing. It's a time travel show. <laughs> but it takes place. But it's about know, Robert Covington. Right. right. But uh, I just turn around. I'm like, nobody saw me. I'm coming back down. People are snowshoeing, poles, the whole deal. And then I explained to somebody, like, I don't really have the right gear for this. And she looks at me like, what are you doing? And as I'm exiting the trail, the girl that ran past me with the crampons flying, she comes up and she's like, hey, are you on the bobsled team? And I was like, no. She's like, but you're a pro athlete, right? Baseball? Why didn't you just say you were a linebacker? I'm too small to be a linebacker. Well, maybe not. How would she know that? Yeah. But it's just, I want to let the pro athletes out there know 
there's no more like it's nice that she thought that but it's such a it's such a bummer when you have to be like no i'm not anything (laughs) (laughs) you should have said you were ryan bosa the third bosa brother i should have playing for tampa bay i'm the old on the xfl uh attractive state she's like you're not a you're not pro she's like i just thought you know walking behind you with your build and i was like thank you um that's really nice i was like but um yeah i'm not i'm just in town hanging out she's like yeah okay see ya so that was the highlight of the week for you. The low light was uh, Matthew Modine coming at you a little bit on social media. He was upset about our Vision Quest podcast. Yeah, what's, and then his, you were, what's his thing? You were debating whether to escalate it on social media, which would have been definitely the weirdest Twitter feud of the week. <laughs> yeah, can can we get a ruling from you on this? What was Modine was going nuts? Like this is the most activity he's had in a while, but he does tweet a lot. And I some, think I think he's just a little unhinged on Twitter. It's part of his deal, right? So. I always feel like there's be, there'll be certain people where I'll look at and be like, hey, if Matthew Modine has tweeted 45, 50,000 times, he should have more than 70,000 followers. It's Matthew it's, Modine. He was in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Great you know? career. Like, he needs to get to a half a mil here at some point. But every single I'm vision, a fan. vision quest, he was really like, because there were some real, I, I don't know, aficionados about vision quest that didn't like the idea that I hadn't seen it before and didn't think I brought anything to the table. Which is fine. I thought you brought a lot to the table. He's I like got, my role on it. He's got 76.8 thousand followers, but a lot of tweets. But I feel like he should have more. That's my point. But what was his deal with me? He was he was saying I think he I think he was under the impression that we you did the podcast but hadn't seen the movie. And <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Because you said in the beginning you hadn't seen the movie. Before you saw the movie to do the podcast. Yeah, I'm not that much of a jerk where I was like, like, I'm just going to come on the pod. (laughs) And then I just talk out of my ass the whole time. I go, but then what happened? (laughs) This is the biggest rival Modine's had since shoot. So then I kind of thought, like, do I fire one off to him? True or false? You might have screenshotted a possibility for me in house. True. Like, what do you think? Should I send this? I'll just share it with everybody. Uh, He said, somebody said something like Ryan, blah, 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 wasn't any good. And then Modine had said, opinions are like, you know, whatever. Everybody's got one. And or, I, I forget. I, I, maybe somebody else said it. And then Modine was like in approval of the ripping me. So then I was going to say, hey, Modine, how long will it take you to get up to 225? It would have been great. Well, you know, I, I didn't want to get into a fight with him, though, because I, I honestly had no hard feelings towards him because you're right. I don't think he understood what was going on. So well, we was, did run the video of you making fun of his lap pull downs. Well, he had a three minute rant about how bad you his know lap what, it's been 30 were. years. He should see that video and go, you know what? I like that Ryan guy. Yeah, He's right. I, he should look at that and go, I should have put more thought into my lap pull downs. I don't blame him. I blame the coaches. He's a high school kid who's a little off and has no friends. And he obviously doesn't have a workout partner to be like, hey, lat pull down. This isn't how many you can do in 10 seconds. We have a couple more quick basketball topics. It was announced today that Steve Ballmer is in advanced talks of buying the forum, which is how this was always going to play out. You have James Dolan, Nick's owner, Cablevision guy who owns the forum, Irving Azoff, legendary music guy, partners with Dolan on that. Bomber is going to try to build this basketball arena next to them, which is going to kill the forum the moment it goes up because any band is going to want to play in the slightly bigger basketball stadium versus this other place. So it's a stalemate chess match. We all know how it's going to play out. And now it's playing out the way people thought it was going to play out. Bomber is now just going to say, fuck it. Okay. You dicks. 
we can spend five years suing each other and just give you money to lawyers, or I'll just buy the forum from you. I'm going to buy the forum. And now he's buying the forum, which means the Clippers are going to have this beautiful state-of-the-art stadium in Inglewood, which the Lakers definitely did not want them to have because they're in the Staples Center, which was built really at the tail end of before they figured out how to build basketball arenas. Staples Center, not great. Not terrible, not great. I actually like it. I don't. It's fine. I don't have. I think the way they do the lighting and everything. I mean, but I've have seen you been to like the, the Warriors one yet? Though, when you go to that Warriors one, one compared to no. Staples Center, it's like, oh my god, this is like night and day. So he's. And you've never this. been to Utah, right? No, the but way, that one's the way they have the end lines behind the basket and how steep it is, and right up to it's awesome. I Indiana's like that too, where yeah. they build it just for basketball. I've been, I've been to. Is it still Conseco? So here's my question for you. He's going to spend all this money building this new arena for the Clippers. I don't think it is. It's Conseco Field, unless they changed it. I don't. I think. I feel. I feel like it's something life. I'm oh, like, you're probably right. It's one of those. So here's my question. This is important. Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Now, yeah. We've just established yet again that this is a Lakers city, and nobody really cares about the Clippers. Yeah. In my opinion, having been here for 18 years, it's. I would say it's 99 to one Laker fans, Clipper fans. Clippers have this team that's a possible title contender. Everybody here cares more about the Lakers. We just saw it with all the Kobe stuff as we discussed last week. They're going to spend all this money in this new arena to try to get clear. So he's putting, he's already in for almost $2 billion for the team. He's spent a ton of money on it since he's gotten it. Now he's going to build this new arena from scratch. So now he's in for at least $4 billion, maybe more. And it just feels like what at, at what point... Is this a no win? Unless the Lakers completely bottom out, which seems, you know, they it would have to be what happened with them during that last couple of years of Kobe through the first year of LeBron stretch. Unless that happens for 20 years and there's some and the Clippers are just this dominant force and you're grabbing bandwagoners and things like that. Otherwise, as a business plan, I, I still don't totally get this. I don't I've it's never really fully been explained to me why LA needs two basketball teams. And I've looked at it a lot of different ways and I've had season tickets for the Clippers for the last 15 years. It's obviously sustainable, but can they actually supplant the Lakers? No. Yeah, but can you still be, and I think this is almost like when we talk about players and how worthless, and I don't say that you or I do this, but how worthless their careers are deemed when they don't win anything. Is it is it bad to be the number two team in this city? Would you rather be the number one team in Las Vegas or Seattle? Or would you rather be the the stepbrother in L.A. with the Lakers? Well, you wouldn't have gotten Kawhi probably. If you yeah, were. maybe. I I know your point because you're right. Like now that I've been out here, I see it. It's like man, and this Clippers thing's unbelievable. Like despite our concerns of what the Clippers may or may not be, what they did on Friday to Denver when they're right is like, oh hey, by the way, like this is what we can do. And yeah, it was a weird game today against the Sixers team missing both Simmons and Embiid. But when they needed to turn it on, they absolutely turned it on and won that game. And their numbers across the board on all the important stuff has been really good despite not having all these guys. So yeah, they're never going to... I can't imagine like, you know, we'll just talk about Boston. If a new baseball team started up... The Braves. They moved yeah. back to Boston. Yeah. Nobody would care. No one would care. But would it still be sustainable? Is the But it's not really even the cheaper option. It's not like it's like minor league and they're giving tickets away. I mean, it, I, I guess my question is, does Balmer think the Lakers can be had? I bet you he thinks that. Like, they, I really yeah, think he yeah. does. I think he's one of those guys that like, I think so many guys from outside of the sports world look at things and go, well, this is what I did. 
And so, you know, walking around, like sometimes managers, I don't know, you, I don't know how many managers you've actually had because you've done, but you know how like managers will set these benchmarks and you're like, that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you know, I read this book, the Harvard Business Review, and I have to make you get numbers that are impossible to reach. And that's the only way to motivate you and do all those things. I wonder if Ballmer like looks at this city that way, basketball wise, because I'm sure that's everything he did when he was with Microsoft. I'm not against it. I don't think it's like, you know, it's not the equivalent of putting, you know, spending a ton of money on some team in a city that has no chance. I'm not saying it doesn't have a chance. I'm just saying for him, I, it's so much money. And I know he's a competitive dude. I had him on this podcast. I respect him. I respect the way he thinks. I think he's trying to put together this really competent, well-run, expensive organization that competes for a title every year. My question is, will anybody in LA ever actually care? And I, I guess we'll find out this spring, but I'm leaning toward probably not. You know, what's funny about this is how this ties into the first Daryl story. Do you know the story? So when he was hired by the Celtics ownership that had just bought the team, Wick, Steve, and, yeah. and the rest of their group, um, they wanted double check this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is right, but they wanted him to run kind of like an analysis on building their own arena, like getting out of oh, the Oh, yeah, guard. this is right. I, I know this yeah, story. Right. You're right. And so Daryl, like everybody's convinced, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. The Celtics are going to have their own arena. They've got a bad setup because the Bruins and, you know, everybody's anti-Bruins ownership, especially at that time because the Bruins really hadn't had that kind of success that they ended up having a lot later on. Uh, and, and in a way, in like the city, it was kind of cool. Like, whoa, they're going to have their own thing? Like, this will be awesome. And then Daryl comes in. And it's like, yeah, it's stupid. Don't do it. Here's all the reasons why. And it was so convincing and the work was so brilliant that they're like, okay. And that's that, that was what he wasn't out scouting. Like his first assignment was to, to do this whole idea. And then all these people were pissed because it ruined all this extra uh, real estate that salespeople would have to sell, right? Because if you're on the ground floor with a team and you now have all of this inventory to sell as a sales, you're going to make all of this money. So I guess there was a bunch of people that were like, oh, great, this Daryl guy showed up and convinced them, like, stay in this current setup because it's way more beneficial to you to do that and stay here than it is well, to so build your own place. I guess the kid, the, if Bomber was here, he'd be like, look, I'm the second-class citizen of the Staples Center. The Lakers get all the good dates. I get all the scraps. I have to play on New Year's Eve, and I have to play these Sunday matinee games against NFL playoff games and all these things. I get all the shit, shit calendar things. If I build my own arena, now I can play on Friday nights and I can play on Sunday nights and I can I can just go head to head. The Knicks and Nets, they'll have games on the same night. Like it doesn't matter. It'll be the same thing in LA. He'll be like, I'll, I'll control my own destiny. And I'll be able to have all these musical acts. Like it's a good business investment. That's why I'm doing it. It's not just because I'm trying to beat the Lakers. There are all these other reasons. I get it. It's just weird when when the upside is you're gonna if you won the title, nobody here is really gonna care. It's a really unique situation. There's no other NBA situation like this where, you know, like when the Kings won the cup the first time and we had season tickets that year, and the Kings have awesome fans, but it's, you know, fifty thousand fans, forty five thousand fans, whatever it is, and then a bunch of people that jump on the bandwagon. You have this parade, it's nice, there's a few people. When the Lakers are in it, you see what happens this spring. You haven't been here when the Lakers are in it. All of a sudden, these cars have fucking Laker flags on it. 
and it's just Lakers everywhere. It's purple. Everybody's got a jersey. So we're gonna on. see a jump in flags. It's, well, it's like it's like the Red Sox in October. <laughs> it's like you know in October with the Red Red Sox in the World Series. There's like jerseys everywhere. Yeah, you you take a right in the street. There's 200 jerseys walking toward you. That's what it's like when the Lakers are good. I don't. The Clippers will never be like that. And it's the only NBA situation like that. But if he likes being in LA, if it's profitable, which it is, valuation continues to go up. I don't know what their TV deal is. I know the Lakers want to. He owns his own arena right. with a right. bunch of awesome stuff in it. Right. I get and it. And they're near the Rams thing, right? They'd be near that. So, um, so maybe that's he's thinking. I'm here. I'm part of this new wave of LA sports. The Lakers could be yesterday's yeah, news. A that's year, how I win. A ten year vision. You know, once we're into that building, a ten year vision of like, you know, what are we doing here with the Rams? I don't think that guy ever spends a day accepting an L. Well, can ever. you imagine? So, so you're at dinner with him. This would be great. I want you to do this dinner with him. It's there's ten people there. It's a little dinner. Just spend some wine. Uh, his whatever his his COO is. Her husband's there. He's had like six gin and tonics, two glasses of wine, and gin, it's like gin is the eleven at night. It's about kerosene. the time people are gonna go, and some guys like, "Hey, Steve, I gotta ask you. Like, <laughs> nobody's ever gonna fucking care about the Clippers here. You realize that, right? Like, at some point, somebody has to look him in the eye and say that." Like Steve, you realize this, right? Like you, you're good with this, right? You're never, they're never going to care about the Clippers there. You get that, right? Anyway, let's uh, take a break. We're going to talk about Norton Secure VPN. If you're one of the 26% of U.S. adults that is online almost constantly, you're in that 26%. You're not online almost constantly. You may want to ask yourself what you are sending and receiving online every day, even if you only use password protected Wi-Fi. Cyber criminals may be able to hack your connection, steal your personal information. That's why you need Norton Secure VPN. Seamless. Install. Log in once. Let it run in the background. Use it with your PC, Mac, or mobile device. Whether you're sending or receiving information over Wi-Fi, uses bank-grade encryption to hide what you're doing while connected blocks companies from tracking your online activity. Help mask your online activities and location with the NoLog VPN. Get Norton Secure VPN. Browse privately secure your connections today. Norton.com slash VPN Simmons. Go there. Protection starts at three thirty three a month for the first year with annual enrollment. Norton.com slash VPN Simmons terms do apply. All right. I have a couple. Uh, we have a lot of dumb shit to get to. So can we, we're going to go quickly. The Bucks have the best point differential ever still through 60 games. Your thoughts? 12.7. I have a hard time. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about like, and that's the, that's the theme of this whole year is that every single team is doing this in a new version of itself. It's steroids know? on stat, or stats on steroids. Yeah, but it's not. I agree with that part of it, but like, yes, there's a little. You know, what are we going to see from Giannis in the playoffs? Because if Giannis, by the way, that's that's what's at stake here, because a lot of different stuff is happening where. You know, it's like, oh, the Harden Giannis thing, it's going back and forth. And like Harden fans arguing about playoff success versus Giannis. Like, hey, why don't you guys just simmer down with the memes? Okay. Because the only deep run you really had was when he was like sixth man on OKC. All right. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. So to to claim that one is like a Harden playoff W is pretty weak. But with Giannis, if something weird were to happen with that team this year and Eastern Conference Finals isn't bad, but if they were short of the Eastern Conference Finals, Giannis is going to get a taste of that that thing we do. We put you through the cycle a little where we start to go. Has it happened oh, to him yet? 
wait a minute. Yeah. yeah is this guy take it serious enough? Uh, Mr. Smoothie, huh? You know, <laughs> it's all fun. Oh, yeah, you know. Is he really adapted to the states? <laughs> you know, like we'll start making up all these theories. Yeah, it'll be like, you know, he di- he didn't play enough hard high school games. Yeah, like you know, he didn't compete like, enough. He's only thirty minutes a game in the regular season. Like, what's Bud doing? <laughs> you got to get up to thirty-eight. Take some reps. elbows. You know? Getting reps at all. Uh, you know, he missed the AAU experience. All that stuff's gonna yeah. happen. Be like, you know, maybe if he had understood, like, being getting recruited, he'd understand the attention on him a little bit more. You know, pick a hat out on a table. He never had that. Greek freak. How about Greek choke? <laughs> So uh, every time I watch him, though, the the combinations of things they do and, you know, little reminders like, man, Middleton has been awesome. Uh, I have some Middleton stats for you. He's been on a tear. Last 19 games, 25, 7 and 5 percentages, 56, 52, 91. (laughs) He's in the 50, 50, 55, 50, 90 club playing 32 minutes a game. That That's, would be the craziest stretch if not for Brad Beal, who's now second league in soaring, who's averaging 30 points a game in his last 16 games, 37.1 points a game, 50, 38, 86 uh, percentages. True or false, DeAndre Ayton is averaging a 22 and 13 in February. True. His numbers are really good. True or false, Trey Young's last 25, 32 and 10. Well, I don't think you're going to make that up. Wait a minute. Is that what the guy gets that he's guarding? <laughs> it's either, either or. Hey, speaking of Giannis, new segment. New segment, new title, new everything. Kyle, play our music. Oh, wait, we don't have any music. This new segment is called, wait, so when did this happen? Okay, I didn't even know about this. Yeah, because you started it with a tweet you had about uh, when Giannis took a three with five seconds left the shot clock and the announcer said it was Bush League. Go do your thing. So uh, another plucky game out of your Charlotte Hornets. Speaking of going small, Mm. they're Bridges, P.J., Martin, I like PJ, Rozier, and Graham. That was their closing group. Biombo couldn't get a call today. Poor guy. So that wasn't great against Giannis and Brook Lopez to close, and they basically fouled them a bunch of times. Milwaukee got every call there down the stretch. But as the game was about to end, there was five seconds left in the shot clock. Giannis with a nice 40-20 game. Ten seconds left in the game clock, so the shot clock's going to expire. And Giannis pulled up from three, missed it, and then the game was over. And the announcer was like, oh, a little surprised Giannis took that. And I think the, I, I think they both basically, like one of them said it and they both agreed. We're like, that oh, was kind of Bush League. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when it happened, but the effort I will see from guys being like, oh my God, that guy took a three at the end of the game and they were winning. Well, I better get really pissed off about this because these are the rules. Like, hey, you know what would be fun? Use that effort boxing out 20 minutes ago. When the game was still close, use that effort on a defensive rotation. Use that effort verbalizing something that's happening in the half court. But instead, it's this contest to show how mad you can be about the other guy taking a fucking shot where the shot clock was going to expire. The entire NBA, I would like every rookie seminar from now on, I would like to be invited in to go, hey, you know what doesn't matter is if a guy takes a shot before the shot clock expires. Game clock, it's different, but people still lose their minds about that one. But this whole idea that everybody on the staff is supposed to put the clipboard down and walk over to the guy like center court after the game is over because he took a shot before the shot clock expired is insanity. And it needs to stop. It's okay if the guy takes also, the shot. All right. There, so it's garbage time. There's a minute, minute left, then 30 seconds, 15 seconds. And you have a couple guys in there who may be playing the last two minutes. 
in high school, this is when the scrubs will come in and you may, might be able to get your one shot off, maybe get a three. Now we're asking these guys to just be like, oh, we got the ball at the 25 second mark. With one second left, I'm just going to put the ball in the midcourt line and take the 24 second violation. Because why? It would because it, you're going to be upset. What's more entertaining, you putting the ball on the at midcourt, or me just getting you to, to watch you take a 28 footer? They're 50 year seniors that are 5'10", usually white, all through college basketball, where it's the only time they're ever going to get a bucket. And now you're supposed to show like how much you understand the game by taking the shot clock violation and a game different. Anyway, that was our new segment. It's called. So when did this happen? I'd still like I to know. I can't wait for next week's. If you have any suggestions, no. email them at the mailbag at the ringer.com. I'd love to know the origin of dapping between every free throw because I hate it. And you know what? If I made a free throw, I don't want to move. Coming up next week on. So when did this happen? When did we start high-fiving guys who just missed a free throw? Whatever happened to just letting them stand at the free throw line, waiting for the ball in their own shame. Right. And like the other now guys to come cross over. half court and be like, sorry, just clanked it, but I'm going <laughs> to wait until the guy walks 40 feet over to dap me up before I take my second free throw. Oh my God. Uh, all right. Quickly, a couple more things. That might be the touching science though. You know that? No, I'm serious. Like, I think Wall Street Journal Sports and does some really cool stuff, but there was this thing where these guys are like teams that touch each other more are more successful. And I was like, or do you think that like the Golden State Warriors high five more when they're winning 73 games than say the Sacramento Kings do when they're winning 17? Hey, have you heard about Square? They make that little white reader. Just use it. It helps the you, lots of businesses take payments like Kyle's Barbara Fernando, yeah. who also cuts Ben Simmons's hair. Here's the thing a lot of people don't know. They make so much more than the card reader. Tools like point of sale for restaurants, for retail, for salons, easy to build websites, invoices you can send from anywhere, full service payroll, which I could use to uh, to pay Kyle after every podcast, but that'd be weird. Um, Kyle, would you, if you carried around a square? Would not accept. I like my direct deposit. I like to pay you in food anyway. They design and build all their hardware in-house so it all works together smoothly with their software. Because here's the thing, running and growing a business takes a ton of work. And while Square can't do all that work for you, it can help with a lot more than you think. See how Square can take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. All right, it's time to play in or out. You ready? I love that you had those eight numbers. Marcus Smart is a top four guy in a finals team, in or out. Top four. He's to be the, at least the fourth best guy. Uh Well, he's not on the Celtics. He's the fifth guy, right? I mean, he doesn't start. Would you rather have him or Gordon Hayward out there with five minutes left oh, in a game seven? Actually, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I... think you could argue Tice is the Celtics' fourth best guy. How great is Tice? I need to see, like, a therapist about Hayward. Do you want to bring him? No, I've never felt worse about being so frustrated by a player. Like... When Jeff Green was on the Celtics and I could just target all my ire and he would have 29 points one night and two night two points the next and you know it would just completely disappear in the fourth quarter of a game and I could just get mad. I'd be like, we what are you doing? About, we argued you're about Jeff Green. Green. We argued about it. Yeah, it's just like, whoa, oh my God, you're so frustrating. You were With like, Hayward, I'm going to give him a year. Hayward, I feel bad as I'm getting mad that he has 16 points at halftime and then doesn't shoot in the second half and that I know he's going to airball the corner three. 
So I would argue maybe he's not their fourth best player. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was going to be an all star. He probably was going to be Broke an all star. Broke his hand has not hurt. been the same. So that part is like, uh, and then he's had a little, you know, when he came back at the beginning, I'm like, oh man. And then I thought he kind of gotten out of that and had some better stretches at times. But I just think it's, you know, some of the times, like when the ascent of a guy like Tatum, you know, maybe that's that's the part, but it doesn't mean you have to be so passionate. It should make it so easy for yeah. Hayward. He's being guarded by the third best perimeter defender on every team. The thing I've His always should be getting better. liked about, you know, the Celts is that if you went, who are their top four guys? And I didn't include Smart because, look, I just thought Kemba, Tatum, Hayward, and, and Brown were better than him. Um, and Tice has been so freaking good for him. I would say Tice is he's the last. Better. I don't think he is the fourth best player, but the last three weeks, he's been one of the best four players. Tyson yeah, I'm gonna good. say I'm gonna say in, and I'm shocked I'm saying in, but I I do understand all the things that Smart does. I do understand what he means to that team. That you have to be around it to truly appreciate him, and I'm doing that more and more. I just wish he didn't think he was the best shooter on the team and massive possessions. Well, as we've said many times, if if he has, and he's over, a much better shooter now too, you know, than he was when I used to really lose my mind. If about you're it. playing a good team and he has more than eight threes in the game, you probably lost. Yeah. Next one. I, I think he could be the fourth best player in a finals team. So I'm in. Melly. In or out? You love this guy. I just want to talk about Melly. I'm all the way in. He, 29. He, he checks every box that I love. Looks like an extra in Daisy Confused. Six foot nine foreigner. Looks like he hasn't showered in a while. Dead sounds, eye from three. Sounds a little racist. Can post up. Well, he just he looks a little he looks a little gamey. Hey, it's just a different lifestyle, bro. Looks like he, you know, his hair looks like he needed a haircut a week ago, but he said, fuck it. Yeah. He's got that like just Italian vibe to him. Loves I'm half Italian. Loves the strokes. I can tell <laughs> He's like, have you guys heard the new one? It's pretty good. He's wearing a white satin jacket, leaving the locker room. The, uh, I, he, I'm just he into his game. only dates people from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha Vujicic has adopted him as, right. as, as his mentor. And then you're like, wait a minute, he lives with Cam Jordan of the Saints? <laughs> like, yeah, they have a penthouse on <laughs> down by. So we're both in on Melly. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like a cool street, like you think, Canal Street. But uh, If you had to pick top five players most likely to have a cigarette after the game as they talk to reporters. Is Melly one, two, or three on the list? <laughs> uh, and like one of those long cigarettes, like those old school. Virginia Slim? No, no, that... no, like those old Marlboro. What are those old long Marlboro Reds, Kyle? Or like those Italian long ones. Hundreds? Yeah, like they, 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 like an old Chesterfield Paul type Mall? cigarette. Yeah, whatever. My grandmother used to smoke. We're both in on Melly. I wish the Celtics had a guy named. He uh, he actually didn't shoot it very good against the Lakers. It was one of those things. But he's he's been getting steady minutes now, and everybody seems to like him. I like twenty year old twenty year old rookies. Uh, Instant replay in or out? I'm giving you a chance to just be out if you want it. I've never been more out. I've always been out. Replay is the dumbest thing in all sports ever. There's all these people that are bored that see reaction on social media. And go, okay, we got to fix it. Because everybody that's pro replay always says to me, well, hey, well, what's wrong with just getting it right? Hey, I'd be all for that, except you don't, okay? We had an unbelievable replay situation at the end of the Pelicans-Lakers game. Close game, fun. Pelicans decide that they don't really know what to do with LeBron defensively. And that's why that series I don't think would actually be that good, except for the Zion part of it. Um, and it goes, it's a, it's a swat off of Brandon Ingram and they call it Pelicans ball. There's no, there's no review that showed you that it was off of Ingram. None. 
But and Tony it, Brothers was involved, so all bets were off. So a day later, <laughs> yeah, Brothers comes over and says, actually, Lakers ball. For the amount of times that it's wrong and we're all wasting our time and destroying any emotional momentum that we have at the end of basketball games or football game winning touchdown. Am I supposed to be excited? No, wait around for four minutes. Hey, baseball, let's do more replay. Let's catch up. Let's be modern. Or it'll be the the foundation of a massive cheating scandal. Replay, we are convinced as a society we need it. We don't. Let's go back to guys just making mistakes because they're not getting it right enough and it's only taking longer. What if we just put a 40-second shot clock from the moment Tony Brothers takes seven seconds to put his headset on? But once that headset's actually on his ears, 40 seconds, he's looking at replays. They show him three replays. He has 40 seconds to decide whether to flip it or not. If he can't figure out in 40 seconds, probably shouldn't overturn it anyway. It's either like, look it right away. Oh, didn't see it. I'm out. Yeah, because that's what's happening is that the the officials are doing this thing to be well, I got to make sure I'm thorough. Like you're looking at it and you go, I don't know. Like, okay, well, let's make sure it looks like we're really thorough about this and spend five or seven minutes on this play. And it's like, no, no, we we can tell that you can't really see it on that. And honestly, like this, this out of bounds thing where it's off of your fingernail last, like that was never a thing. It was never a thing in basketball. Like it was understood if I had the ball and you swiped it out of my hands that yes, maybe if we broke it down to the slowest camera ever, it may touch a, a, a cell on my finger last. But you probably fouled me. But but you probably fouled me, and like you're the reason the ball went out of bounds. And now we're actually, because of replay, rewarding the guy that swiped at the dude. And some people are listening to this and be like, oh, that's actually good. It emphasizes defense and all this stuff. No, no. I like just being able to say, okay, well, no, that was out on you. I, I think VAR is the biggest disaster. I only This is what I know about replay, is that Everybody complains about not having more of it. And then everything you get, I don't see anybody going like, hey, VAR has been awesome for soccer. I don't see anybody going like, you know what? I'm psyched. It's taken seven minutes here. Some of the college basketball reviews at the end of games, like tournament time, it sucks. I don't mind human error. Uh, In or out. Devin Booker is your best player. You've got a thing for Devin Booker. I'm just asking. Nah, he's in your crosshair. I'm fine with it. Um, he's you know. Then just say in. What do you have to? Have to uh, yeah, but I can't really say in in the sense of like he's not one of the six guys that changes everything for you. So, uh, I'm gonna abstain. <laughs> what do you mean? It's in or out. I'm not gonna vote. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I've decided I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stand up in the Senate. I'm gonna get a sandwich. Come back after the vote's been taken. Devin Booker against Golden State. Gold State wins 115.99. I'm just going to read you Devin Booker's box score. 38 minutes, 6 for 16, 21 points, 0 rebounds, 1 assist, 6 turnovers. Are you saying Devin Booker is your best player in like a team that grows into something that's competing in the playoffs? I'm and saying it's a no, because I, I don't think there's that many guys in the league. It's like barely a handful. I still, I still stand by my he should have played on Team USA thing. You love. Yeah. I'm going to go down with the ship. You're like Mel Gibson over there, the Patriot. You think that like the Team USA experience changes the course of players' careers. Well, all right. I would only be right if Tatum and Brown were much better this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you switched oh, yeah. it on me. Yeah. Like uh, right. Because didn't you do like the Donovan Mitchell could have been this thing? You've done this. I've, I've heard yeah. this. I know you're, I'm familiar with the content. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we do f- one, two, three, four? I'll give you either Alvin Gentry or Shake Milton as our fifth one. In or out? 
Uh, I don't know if Alvin Gentry hates Drew Holiday or what. Uh, I'm going to say in on Shake Milton. 25 points with eight minutes to go in the second quarter. I think I'm in on Shake Milton as well. Yeah. He set a record for most consecutive threes made. He'd made 14 in a row, and Van Gundy on the broadcast is like, that's going to be the record. What's the record? And they're like, that's the record. And the Clippers, there was a very specific point in that third quarter where they go, hey, do you guys want to play ridiculous defense right now? Like, yeah, let's do that. 24-5 run. Game is over. But Shake Milton, not afraid. Didn't you have some early intel on him? I know you're not going to say who said it, but one of your most trusted sources was very pro Shake Milton before any of this, right? Like a yeah, year ago? Yeah, but he was like a second. What did he go, like 50th? I remember. All right, it's mailbag time. And I'm really excited for this first one. It's from Alexander. Ooh, nice. He says, the Houston Rockets are the Bernie Sanders of the NBA. In principle, you want to and should like them because they start from a good place. Analytical approach, taking risks to try and win a title threes, playing with pace, etc. It's all based on good intentions, but they're so obnoxious, aggressive, abrasive, whatever about it, that it makes you hate them. Very similar to our boy, Bernie. Only if Bernie demands a recount and has his... South Carolina? Right, where he he has his own staffers do the recount and is like, well, look at all these votes that it costs Now you got to do the Bernie accent if you're doing Bernie. You want me to do it? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to do my impersonation of Bernie as the coach of the Houston Rockets. When we have Russell Westbrook in space, he's almost unstoppable with either hand. And then James Harden, who should have won the MVP a couple years ago, he's great too. Are you a bad? Why do we need a center? Are you, do you have any good impersonations? Have you always been like a? Because I thought that was pretty. Kyle, Kyle Kyle liked it. That was a good Bernie. Thanks, Kyle. You're just jealous. Am First I, of all, you were a coward. You wouldn't do yours. I had to do my Bernie. I've never tried. I've never tried. I just, I don't, like, you're good at a lot of things. And then it's dawning no. on me now that maybe no, you're just not a imitation is not one of them. No. I can only imitate Boston Rob, which is the same imitation as my Brett Brown. I've been working on my Brett Brown a little, but it's not ready to be showcased. Brett Brown and Survivor talking about Amber. Okay, go uh, ahead. When Amber lost the immunity idol, I was very disappointed. That's actually more of a Boston Rob. I thought my Bernie was pretty solid, though. You're a huge Boston Rob guy, huh? I do like Boston Rob. You know, we I count his we title as one of the titles. That's a Boston title. Um, so do you like this Houston Rockets-Bernie Sanders corollary? I do, but I was going to finish the point there is that it would have to be Bernie asking for a recount done by his own staff members and then leaking it to Zach Lowe and Rachel Nichols <laughs> that the recount numbers actually screwed Bernie Sanders over for me to do the complete complete buy-in there that's the problem like like, how many people that aren't rockets fans are like you know what i really like all this rocket stuff the last few years (laughs) so that's why like whenever because a couple rockets there's been a couple guys that work down in houston that have really crossed the line with me and i've never responded to it the media side yeah where Uh i'm just like wow like you got some big ones and uh maybe at the finals we'll have to yeah maybe (laughs) There's one Pistons reporter that I think I do want to smack in the face. <laughs> this is Kyle's kind of content right here. Yeah, like I, I'm going to say something to him when I see him. If I ever see him. Fucking nerd. <laughs> We've got Robin Covington and nobody realized was the center. And now he's playing center and he's as good as any of the centers. 
Okay, but if if Bernie and Houston really were the thing, wouldn't there's no way he'd let two guys take the first and second most shots in the in the league. He would he'd want he'd be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can only take 12 shots. Oh, you did it. I'm so happy. <laughs> this whole thing is it's 25 shots a game. It's too many shots. Too many shots. Uh I think the point is. Bernie's preaching something that can't actually win the presidency and the Rockets are preaching a style that can't actually win the NBA finals. Oh, a little lean out of here. Yeah. But no, that's Alexander. That's his point. (laughs) The the Rockets are like, everybody's going to have a seat at the table from Daniel House to Russell Westbrook. We're all going to have a seat at the table. Uh, He would love that. He wants the salary cap to be lower though. Every NBA player should make forty thousand dollars. <laughs> well, the funny thing, the NBA is the opposite of what Bernie would want, right? The NBA is like the longer you play, you could make up to forty million dollars a year at the expense of like basically two thirds of the league who has to make four million dollars or less right he'd be like what does westbrook make we gotta give some of that to daniel house every let's i'm gonna cap the salaries at eight million dollars nobody makes more free socks for everyone (laughs) bobby wants to know uh how would you fix the nfl schedule how many regular season games would you have and how many playoff games I don't like only one team getting a bye because of how much it, it has favored the bye teams. I mean, the, the simple thing is to say, well, yeah, the teams that get the byes are the teams that are better. But So you're saying if it was seven seven playoff teams per conference, right. you don't like the only the one seed gets a bye? No, I like, you know, I understand like everybody, here, here's the problem. Here's what everybody needs to understand first and foremost. Like every single business that is traded publicly, your stock price is primarily based on what do I think you can be as a company in a bunch of years, okay? So everything is growth. It's why you have these established businesses that have been around for decades that have a stock price that is the 10th of the next new thing because you're hoping that the next new thing ends up being some part of our everyday, like it, like Uber hasn't ever done it, but like some of the, was it the Beyond Meat stock that was insane and Tesla's been all over the place and Tesla isn't about the car, it's about the technology, it's about all the different things they can do. Right now is not a great time to be talking stocks, but that's the whole point. And just well, it's because- like fantasy, right? Where somebody who goes for $48 because he might be able to do with the guy that just went for $29 does every year. Right, so when, when I look at the NFL, the NFL... Like, yeah, the London games are weird, okay? I don't watch them. I don't, I don't, I'm, especially in the West Coast. Like, I'm not doing the, all right, 545 alarm, 6 a.m. NFL, when I already have been up all night watching college games and know I'm going to sit and watch 11 hours of NFL anyway, okay? So I don't care about that game. I've decided long ago, I'm not watching that. Yeah, but miss much. No, I know. But that's about growth. And the extra playoff game is about growth. And the extra regular season game is about growth. And that's why baseball does the World Baseball Classic. And they've added, and it's, it's. do I have more inventory to sell so I can also say like, hey, we were a $10 billion company and now we're going to project to be 15, you know, all these different things that you want to be able to do. And that's that's the only thing. And the funniest part about the negotiation, because when I looked at the whole deal and I expected, especially from the NFL owners, I expected the proposal to be terrible. And I'm like, wait a minute, like that's pretty good for the players. That's pretty good for the players. Like that looks really good for the players. They're like, oh, the 17th game. But you can only make two hundred and fifty grand off the seventeenth game. 
That doesn't make any sense. And then guess what? Like that went away. You want to know why? Because it was negotiating one-on-one. That didn't make any sense to only be able to make 250 grand capped on the 17th game, no matter what you made. It was, we want the 17th game, so we're going to offer up this horrible clause to it that we're totally going to cave on to only get the 17th game so we can sell that to the networks and we can make more revenue and we can be a growing business. Because instead of just saying, hey, we do really well, the playoff format's perfect, the scheduling format's perfect, the players don't want to play the extra game and all these different things. This is a great product. The ratings were great again this year. If you're not growing, then you're dead, even when you're not. Why not just go extra week, 16 games, but have two bye weeks instead of one? And then you could do the playoff game and have the seven playoff teams in each conference do that, add the extra playoff game there. You're making another week from TV because now there's 18 TV weeks instead of 17. Now I have two extra playoff games in round one. Now I'm growing a little bit. I actually would like that as a football fan. You know what I thought was weird was people like, well, what about when you play nine and the other team plays eight home games? You're like, who cares? Like that one, that one, like you're going to, it's going to even out over time. Um, I I don't, I don't know. I, I'd have to understand, like I think some of the older players that are like, hey man, we don't, we don't want that extra game because it's just so much more dangerous yeah, but I think if you're going to be compensated at a higher revenue split, which is what's been proposed once that cap thing went away. I think 17 games is ludicrous. You do? Yeah. I, If anything, I think they should be going backwards and doing 15 games. But no one, you know, the argument used to be, hey, we get rid of the preseason, just tag on. Nobody plays preseason anymore, <laughs> you know? So. Uh, yeah, true. But then that that ends up. Week one, week two, week three becomes like a glorified preseason. Yeah, because everybody's... And it's terrible to watch. Yeah. Pat from Buffalo wants to know, is, pa- is Pau Gasol first ballot Hall of Famer? I'm in the camp that he is, if you combine his European career and his Olympic career. Uh, the with Olympic Grizzlies, career. the two Laker titles, and the Hall of Fame soft structure. I actually think... P- Chris Bosh was a little salty that he didn't make it. I don't think he had a chance considering the Hall of Fame class that was coming in. I think in normal years, he might have had a chance. I think Powell's a better candidate than Chris Bosh. I agree. Powell was the the best player in the 2010 finals. He didn't win the finals MVP, but he was the most important player in that series. Yeah. uh, Well, look, every time anyone ever asks, hey, is this guy going to get into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame? Before they finish the sentence, I say yes. (laughs) Because everybody gets in. Well, let's, let's say they had actual standards for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think he would get in. But you know, my argument is always the quicker you have to go to the Olympic resume, the weaker your resume is. I hate that when we do it with American players. Like, oh, you want a gold medal? Like, Bosch, to me, should not be whatever first ballot is. He just shouldn't. Um, in his career, you know, and unfortunately for him, he had some health issues. Yeah. But he played 12 years, and the first five were at Toronto, or the first seven. Pretty forgettable. Like, he had the four-year Miami run. Which was an iconic thing. Yeah, he had some nice numbers and not one memorable I, moment. I think um, I, I wouldn't be upset if he was a first ballot, but I think he's second ballot is fine for him. We uh, have to take one more break. It's allergy season. You know what that means? Sneezing, watery eyes, runny nose, the works. So you head to the pharmacy and search relief. Research shows 80% of allergy sufferers fail to select the best medication off the shelf to treat their symptoms or on the flip side. You can end up spending forever in a specialist waiting room trying to get an appointment for prescription treatment 
I actually have bad allergies that suck in LA. So I, if, if I don't have my allergy meds, I'm in trouble. Well, our friends at Roman are now offering prescription allergy relief delivered right to your door. It takes the guessing game out of finding the right allergy treatment. Pick up your phone or laptop, complete a free online visit with a U.S. licensed physician. They'll develop a personalized allergy treatment plan that works just for you. You have allergies or no? No. Hey, you were East Coast. You lived in a lot of, a lot of polony places. Yeah, I would have found fine. out by now. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, Roman's allergy treatment options, hand-selected by their board-certified ENT, so you know you're getting expert recommendations. Speaking of the pharmacy, don't even go there. Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication directly to your door, free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to talk about adjusting your treatment plan. With Roman, no commitments, cancel anytime. Stop wandering aimlessly through the allergy treatment aisle at the pharmacy. Go to GetRoman.com slash Bill for a free online visit today. GetRoman.com slash Bill. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. We are getting damn close to Jim Corner. I have a couple of good ones for you. Uh, but before we do that, great email from Mark in Madison, Wisconsin. You're really going to like this. Okay. He asks, why isn't there distance throwing competitions kind of like longest drive competitions in golf? You wouldn't sit down and watch people try to chuck a ball as far as humanly possible. I'm thinking a heavy racquetball sized ball. Also add in some professional athletes. Could Patrick Mahomes throw further than Araldis Chapman or someone else? Which professional athlete would be the odds on favorite? Please discuss. I, I got to say, if this was on TV, I would watch it. I would want to see how far people could throw things. Just what would you call the show? Chuck stuff? <laughs> like, Chucking it? <laughs> you don't think they get a little stale? Like, all right, week three. I think it should be different Joe things Tess every day. There. This week, guys, we have Brett Boone, <laughs> the retired second baseman, an absolute masher in the center of that great Mariners lineup. Remember that team in 2000? Um, He's yeah. like, all right, now we have Alex Bregman right. is going to be throwing a watermelon. Oh, my God, 45 yards. Last week's winner, Michelle Wee, returns to defend her crown. <laughs> Michelle Wee. <laughs> right, because they'd be like trying to figure out like who are we gonna get for week. What five? object would you want them to throw? Um, golf you, ball's too light. I how think. about a football, but not like a full football, like one of those junior footballs, like that one my son would play with. The rubber, like deal? a junior, yeah. a junior pro football. Yeah. Like, do you think Mahomes could throw that a hundred yards? They let us play with that in our intramural. Yasiel Puig. We didn't lose a game for two years. Yasiel Puig. Uh, I don't know. He's still not signed. He's a, he's he's a little uh, little shaky in the clubhouse, right? He's yeah, a little up and down, a little erratic. That was the word. I always loved that it was just that people didn't understand him. It was like, no, everybody kind of has like a a puig thing. We're like, this guy's not the easiest. I don't so know you wouldn't watch this orange softball? Uh, no, softball's too big. I, I think I would watch this, but I do think that baseball should have done something like this. Remember, like, like a I best wanna, arm. I want a skills thing. Although the number of outfielders that actually can throw it to home plate now is like four guys. I don't know what the hell happened there. Remember, like, growing up, guys had hoses. Raul Mondesi? What happened to that guy? But, I, when Every time I watch baseball now, I see throws where I go, you guys all suck at throwing from the outfield now. Remember it's Dewey what, Evans growing up? Are you kidding me? Playing that right field corner? Dude, that was his corner. Dewey's got the best fucking rocket arm. Yeah, the entire, the entire area was under his deed. Throughout Joe Morgan, game six, I 1975. Remember. 
Yeah. I uh, remember Jody Reed one time. <laughs> we we had a couple low and brows, and Jody Reed was sitting there. And he goes, I'm telling you right now, fucking on the road, Dewey, Dewey Evans, Groupie Central. <laughs> and he's he's a he's a straight shooter, but I'm just telling you, if he ever if he ever wavered. Girls were all over him. I don't know why I'm doing Jody Reed. I, I liked it though. I think he was. Well, I would like to see some sort of some people throwing something. Uh, Ethan. <laughs> Chuck stuff. Ethan wants to know, isn't the most obvious trade possibility Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal this summer? Ooh, it's pretty that's good. pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. Pretty, yeah, that, that Beal deal was weird because you couldn't trade him with the way his contract worked. It's uh, pretty good. That is pretty good. Would you do De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons? No. He's not good enough. I don't think so. So you're back on the Simmons train. I just think Simmons is better. Would you do? I think Simmons and Beal is nice. That what would really be the worst? What would be the worst guy you could trade Simmons for? Draymond? No, <laughs> it'd be like a two for one where you're getting like Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, like one of those type uh, of deals. I don't know. What? You know, add up the numbers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's That's pretty good. I feel like the good thing about this for the Sixers this year is that it, like, there are a lot of teams that felt like they're really down on Simmons before the year started. And I think Simmons is kind of, we'll see what happens here in the playoffs, but I, I think there's, there's a part of it. If you're the Sixers front office, you probably feel better about what the perceived value of Simmons is. Like, I think he's reclamated himself here a bit. I think there's a path where if he's on a team that's built around him and all the stuff that he's good at, you're going to be probably pretty good. If it's like, we're building a team Lamar Jackson style around Ben Simmons and all of his strengths. I think you could do that. Yeah. Next one. I sent this to you. You were lukewarm. Topics for Sunday night weird pod with Rosillo. Top 10 generals, World War One and Two combined. <laughs> Overrated, underrated. Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and Genghis Khan. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd have an Alexander the Great opinion. I just, I don't think I have enough depth. On, right. on each of the well, different maybe, generals. Maybe a week from now. Maybe I'll tell you, Caesar it. awareness lacking. His awareness rating was a lot lower <laughs> than some of the other guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, take the temperature of the room, brother. But some of these guys, you know, you get kind of this God status, this God complex thing, and you just, you just, you can't read a room. Caleb, this is a question for me. How about a Dwayne Wade pyramid pod for Book of Basketball now that his career's done? I know you aren't the biggest D Wade guy, but I feel like he's become weirdly underrated because of how his career ended. Maybe you could do an 06 finals. He pod retired? As well, listen, I actually was going to do a Dwayne Wade thing, but after the 17th piece of content about how he retired, I, I think it might be like season four of Book of Basketball before we can get to Dwayne Wade. Gun how much? He had a three-day retirement. He put out a hagiography documentary about himself. He's been retiring for a year straight. <laughs> what? Somebody on Twitter asked me, how come you didn't do anything in the way of retirement? And I said, I'll just Which do it. Which one? I said, I'll do it next year. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Somebody once said that about a wedding. They were like, are you not going to so-and-so's wedding? They're like, I'm going to go to the next one. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Never heard that before? No, no, that was a true a, story. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who said it. Anyway, yeah, uh don't hold your breath on the Dwayne Wade pod. I think we need to detox from the one year long Dwayne Wade retirement. Patrick, 
parentheses, I'm a real scientist, Patrick. Oh, all right. Well, then I'm going to really pay attention. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to love this email. Listening to Bill and Ryan talk about Zion's weight made me think about this idea in psychophysics called Weber's Law. You know what Weber's Law is? No. If you're trying to steal a cookie, would you rather steal it from a plate with 10 cookies or a plate with 100? You're stealing the same number of cookies in each case, one, but you'd steal it from the plate with 100 because people wouldn't notice the cookie missing as easily. The proportional difference is less and our brain assesses difference proportionally, not absolutely. I think we have a hard time figuring out how much Zion weighs because he's just big. We can tell Russell Westbrook is heavier than Steph Curry, but who's heavier? Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic? Maybe Zion is the captain of the Weber's Law All-Stars, the set of players who, because they're big, we have no freaking clue how much they weigh. Who else is on this team? There's a lot going on there. I don't even really have yeah, anything to I, add. Yeah, but that's actually, I don't, that's pretty simple. That makes sense. Because we thought watching today, we thought he looked 10 pounds lighter since he came back. He does. But he, 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 he might have been 10 pounds heavier. I don't know. He just runs so weird. Like, it's it's almost like he's skipping. Like, he's just having so much fun that he's just sort of, like, plodding along. It's weird. But then sometimes I'll be like, is he hurt again? Like, what the hell's going on there? But no, I mean, that's true. Like, there's dudes... There's dudes that I've been around, like some of the former offensive linemen guys, and be like, "Yeah, I dropped thirty pounds." I'm like, "Like really?" Like, oh, right? Yeah, I didn't know, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Zion, I'm just you and I are both so fascinated by him game to game. He plays like he has those shoes from like Mike on. Like he like he's a normal. He's got this normal body, but he's got these crazy shoes that allow him to do all this shit and go faster and just. That's, I that's forgot that you've seen literally every single. Yeah, is that was that little Bow Wow? Yeah. Now known as just Bow Kyle's Wow. Kyle's with me. I feel like Kyle's been on my side this whole podcast. Hey, just a shout out to the rappers. <laughs> um, enough with the Lil. L- There's just oh, the too Lil? many of you. Like how L A L apostrophe? Yeah, you know how bummed out I'd be if they were like, "All right, you're gonna be, you're gonna be Lil White." And so I'd when be like, Ben was thinking about. A rap name, I would have thrown my body in front of Lil Ben. Yeah. You can't. Say no. Come on. You can't. So what happens is like, way. there's a few, you know, Lil Wayne, and then it just, it morphs into this thing. Like, if I were at a studio, I'd be so bummed. Like, hey, the producer's here, the, you know, the, the record company's here, all these guys are here. I'm like, your, your new name's going to be Lil Skis. I'm like, well, I was just Skis last week, but now we're going to throw Lil in there. Like, well, there's... We could we could do a seating of sixty four lils right now. Just too many lils in the game. I'd like to when little Bow Wow changed the little and became just Bow Wow. He's like, I'm not little anymore, guys. I'm just Bow Wow now. A lot of people drop it. So pump one day is just going to be pump. Well, you know, it's not Young Jeezy anymore, too. It's, it goes the same way. Little well, Rich Paul became Rich Paul. I don't remember him having a lil. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that correctly. Uh, all right, two Jim Corner emails. Noah in Pittsburgh wants to know. Ooh, good city. I want to hear Ryan's opinion on flat bill and winter hats being worn at the gym. I live in the hotbed of culture and fashion that is Pittsburgh and have noticed a lot of people wear hats while working out. Is this normal or is it a weird Pittsburgh quirk? I wear a hat all the time. So hats are in at gyms? Yeah. Just a point blank. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm not doing this because I wear a hat all the time. If somebody wants to tell me I'm wrong, go ahead uh but you know it's usually hat down 
I'm talking a little bit too much at my gym lately, though, because I'm hurt, and I sometimes I show up with no plan, so I'm like, ah, this is going to suck again today. And then I'll be like, just take it easy, take it easy. And then by the end of the day, I'm not taking it easy. And I'm expecting to be hurt again. So, uh, whew. Yeah, hats. I don't even know what All to right. counter. We'll, yeah, there's no. We'll the next one. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, we're just, hats. I don't really have much hats. else to add on that. That just surprises me. What do you, I don't know. So what, I mean, LA, flat, flat bill, they give you one. As soon as you get your, your keys to your place, you're like, here's your flat bill hat to walk around Manhattan Beach and. Eric Roseberry has a good one. If you could date somebody with a stroller and yoga pants, it'd be perfect. <laughs> Eric Roseberry wants wants you to know. I've Me. been wondering for months how to handle this situation in the gym. You're the perfect person to answer, meaning you. How do you handle the guy who's trying to circuit train in the middle of a busy gym? He's quote unquote using three to four machines at any given time. And if you try and get on one that's in his rotation, he runs over and says, sorry, man, but I'm using that. What's the appropriate response? Up to this point, I've simply said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were using another machine, which was true because he's using all the machines. Ryan, please help. What's the move? Yeah. So it sounds like this guy's probably bigger than you <laughs> because if he wasn't, <laughs> he wouldn't be emailing the show. He would have already said something to him. And that sucks because like when the guy who's really big and maybe actually looks tough um, is doing stuff, like you're just going to be a little hesitant, a little more hesitant. That's usually the way the world works. But if he's legitimately using three or four machines at the same time, some sort of circuit, like that's that's just not happening. It's not you just go like, okay, well, look, if you're doing a cable row or something, and then he's on somewhere else, like from the amount of time, especially if he's doing three or four things, there's no way that you wouldn't have time to do your eight or ten reps or whatever it is on one of the things that's in his circuit. So um I don't know. But sometimes you'll go like, Am I making a point here? Like, am I making a point where I don't like what he's doing and I could just do something else? Because I think we do that sometimes. Yeah. Where you see the guy doing something that's screwed up, but you actually don't, you could do something different, but you just, you want to mess him up. It's probably not worth the energy. But if it's really packed and he's legitimately using four things and he's telling people that they can't use them, then I think you have to jump him in the shower and hit him with soap in the head. Jesse says... uh he had some nice things to say about me, which I won't read. But read them. No, I'll no, read, read them. I, no. I would like to hear a few things about you that are nice. No, he said a couple of nice things. I appreciate it. Okay, he's a big fan. Then he said, "Ryan, the end of your run at ESPN got me through some bad times." I get that a lot. Um, I guess we had a lot of depressed guys watching my show. Said some other nice things about you, and then he said, "I'd I like had, to hear those." I, <laughs> I'll forward it to you. I heard an announcement: Jim Corner is making comeback, and things were going to get weird in the pod. Here's my question. Is there ever a time to ask a girl out at the gym? And second question, what do you tell the old guy who thinks air drying in front of the new fans in the locker room? Everyone gets to see him every time the door opens. Uh, what do you say to him? So those are two really opposite yeah, I mean, ends of the are, spectrum. Yeah, but those have been out there. I feel like, uh, and by the way, thanks. I haven't read that email, but I was, I was just messing around. I appreciate it. I would it like does... to ask a girl out at the gym. I don't feel like you've answered that one. I've never done it. Ever. Is there a right way, wrong way to do it? Uh you got you gotta have like you gotta know it's gonna go well. Like don't be that guy that like sees a cute girl stretching and it's like, hey, what's your story? You know? <laughs> like give it I would say give it multiple times where you try to figure out like 
Are we ever going to make eye contact? I think you can almost always tell like whether or not it's in the cards for you just based on eye contact. Because you'll look and you'd be like, okay, she looked at me a certain way where I think this could even be a possibility. But then you still, I've never done it. Um, if you are so confident and honestly, some of you guys are so fucking delusional. <laughs> You're just asking out everybody anyway. Right. And I don't know, you know, my whole life I've wondered, like, is the delusional guy who just asks out everyone, is he actually doing it right? Or... Well, the Rockets would say he is, right? Yeah, He's yeah. Just <laughs> taking more threes. <laughs> yes, 50 out, six say yes. I know. I went to school with a few guys like that. As soon as you'd walk in, they'd already have been, like, asking seven different people to go home with them. And I'd be like we haven't even finished our first natural light. Like, do you want to hang out with us? And they'd be like, no. Yeah. All right. uh, so I'm not saying don't do it. So but, read, the, but read just, the signals. Yeah, but some people can't. Some people don't have that kind of thing where they can tell the way somebody looks back at them. Um, you know, maybe even force the issue where it's sort of like, it's not a machine that you want to use, but you ask her how many she has left but you ask in a really cool way, maybe even make fun of yourself a little bit. Be like, hey, how many do you have left? And be like, all right, can I? do you mind if I move it down? Ha, ha, ha. You know, you're playful, you're fun guy, you're a little self-deprecating, you know? <laughs> like, I've always told guys, like, I, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to talk to girls, just watch every Vince Vaughn movie and rip off his stuff. Nice. I went through that phase. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what's your name? Oh, you're cool. Yo, you're a fun one, though. I bet you're quiet, but you're crazy. <laughs> You're the, you're the crazy one. Out of it. And then everybody thinks you're funny. Um, Wait, we got to get to John. No, no, but I haven't finished. Oh, I thought. No, no, because the read old, the signals. No. Yeah, right. But the old guy, if you're brave enough to tell an old guy who's 70 stop drying his balls, then you are a pioneer because none of us are comfortable. None of us are brave enough to go up to a 70 something and be like, hey, bro. I'm just, I feel the same way about that as I would if somebody was just taking a shit in the middle of the street. I'm just trying to get as far away from as possible. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so just trying to avert a crisis. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone ever go up to the old guy and go, don't use that to drive your balls. Because everybody's just like, <laughs> you don't know, like, who is that guy? Who's that guy? Like, I'm, I'm usually not. Anyone in my life that would do that. Probably my friend Daniel. I know some Daniel people Kelsey think I'd be that, that guy. I, I don't even it's like, have Hey, it. buddy, put put your balls away. <laughs> that my friend Danny would say yeah, that. Yeah, because then what's the follow? What if he sits there and wants to debate you about it? With now his you're debating, balls out. Yeah, you're debating with a naked guy who looks dead, probably. <laughs> like, I don't want to do, I don't want to have that conversation. John wants to know, there's a guy in my gym in Michigan that only wears flip-flops in the weight room. He offsets it by wearing Gracie Jiu-Jitsu t-shirts. The flip-flops are worn at all times. Even walking to his car in the snow. What is he trying to say? Well, I like the move. <laughs> I wore I wore Adidas flip-flops yeah. from like age 18 to 28. And I wore them in the snow. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. I loved them. I had, so you support this guy in Michigan. Yeah. And look, if he has... If those are just... How old are those jujitsu t-shirts? Because if they're brand new, like you know, vintage, but early... if they're old and like broken in mm. and they're broken in and soft because they, they weren't, you know, some new version that they got it, you know, in Venice, uh, you might want to stay away from that guy. Matt from Metro West Boston wants to know, um, is it okay when guys take two to three lockers for all their stuff after a workout when they 
double or triple locker it? Triple locker's aggressive. Um, I've had a double locker. Okay. Hmm. That's good. I mean, if you're wearing like a suit or something and you're coming back, like you want to hang it up and then it's probably if you're hanging a jacket and pants and you're getting into workout gear from a bag, you're probably not going to have room to do it all. You don't do it all the time, but three is a lot. Steve from Santa Monica. This will be the last one. Am I an asshole if I'm considering switching to Equinox just to get away from guys working out in jeans and casually farting in the middle of the weight room at the local Y? Is that a thing that happens? Uh, is there more farting at the local Y? You know, I don't I don't know that I've ever monitored that. <laughs> I used to belong to a Y when I when I lived in Boston. Um I did it more for the hoops than it was anything else. We joined the way with the, with because when you have little kids, sometimes that's the best way to so they can learn how to swim. Yeah, and my wife would join the way, and the way was kind of cool. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of whys that are great. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, but then maybe there aren't. I don't know. Look, man, the great thing about Equinox, I'm an Equinox guy. I love it. That's half the reason I moved to Manhattan Beach. We're gonna end it. We're gonna end with this one. This is for me. We haven't talked about the coronavirus. I feel like we should. Is the coronavirus going to make people afraid to go to the gym? Because I feel like we're about a week away from that. I know. I've only been on four planes in the last month. So, you know, looking around, I've been like, that would be, yeah, I'd probably you, rather, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If I couldn't go to the gym, I'd rather just die. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I won't be canceling my membership. That's a great one to end this podcast on. Um, you can listen to Ryan on the Ryan Rosillo show Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> and uh, you can hear my podcast as well on the rewatchables. <laughs> and uh, the Book of Basketball, last one coming up. Thanks to ZipCruiter. Thanks to Rosillo. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Square. More than a little white credit card reader, a whole system of tools built to run and grow any kind of business. From point of sale and payroll to invoices and online stores, go to square.com slash go slash BS to see all the ways you can take your business from Square into whatever's next. Thanks to Norton Secure VPN. If you're one of the 26% of U.S. adults that is online almost constantly, you need Norton Secure VPN. It uses bank-grade encryption to block companies from tracking your online activity and works on your PC, Mac, or mobile device. Get Norton Secure VPN. Browse privately. Secure your connections today. Norton.com slash VPN Simmons. Protection starts at three thirty-three a month for the first year with annual enrollment. Norton.com/slash/VPN. Simmons terms apply. Rosella, see you next Sunday. Sounds good. <laughs>